0: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media.
1: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. Over the next couple of months, we'll have an extra episode each week hosted by the fabulous Peter Kafka, senior editor and producer of Recode's Code Media Conference. Listen in as Peter interviews his favorite movers and shakers in the media world, Welcome, Peter, and this week you're talking to who? I'm talking to Ricky Van Veen, uh, found, one of the co-founders of College Humor, and now does all sorts of TV and interesting Internet stuff for Barry Diller over at IAC. So why did you pick him What's as what, your uh, first inaugural guest? Ricky is guest. A, a really interesting guy. He, he was When he started this business, he was in college, and now he's kind of a wise old man of, of, of the Internet and he really understands how the Internet works and how media works broadly. And like lots of people we know who figured out the Internet, he's now spending a lot of time in TV, which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting as well. Because video is where it's at, correct? Video is where it's at, but TV is even really where it's at, well, according to a lot of people who are in the internet. All right, then let's let's hear what, let's he has see what to Ricky say. had to say to me. Uh, there are not a lot of people who work for for Barry Diller for for close to a decade. I'm talking to <laughs> one of them. His name is Ricky Van Veen. <laughs> he's you. a co-founder of College Humor, uh, Vimeo, a bunch of other cool and interesting internet sites. He's now well, still he's still working at for Barry yep. Diller at IAC, working on television. By summarizing your. Your yes. life story correctly, yep. Ricky?
0: And 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 before we get started, I, I have to uh, really give it up for your uh, production team. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of this, but uh, but I I got an email maybe uh, two weeks ago from you saying, hey, you know, I would love, love to do this podcast. And then someone followed up and said, here's the release form. And if you have any requests for food and beverage, uh, let, let us know. And I replied all and said, uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'll get the form right back to you. And in as a joke, I said... And I would love a Crystal Pepsi, you know, the, the the failed Pepsi beverage that hasn't been made since, like, 97 or something. I get an email yesterday saying, uh, Ricky, we, we've been trying to source this uh, Crystal Pepsi uh, <laughs> all over town. Uh, we just can't. And I guess this is a young person who is not – who was not old enough to witness a, the And you sent him all over town s- looking so for Crystal sweet. Pepsi, and 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 I I felt horrible, and I wrote back and I was like, I was I was joking. That stuff hasn't been made since the '90s. I'm so sorry to send you on this wild goose <laughs> Jason for a dumb joke. Could you please go
1: get me an OK Cola as well, or <laughs> an yes.
0: or a or new Coke? I'm very sorry for making you
1: look for Crystal Pepsi. All right, now we can begin. Hi, <laughs> right, Ricky. Hey, thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for having me. Um. I, you're my favorite kind of guest because you make my job really easy. You're just going to talk for half an hour. Oh yeah! And on top of that, <laughs> you you basically wrote a script out for me this week. Uh, you wrote a, a, a piece for Jason Hirschhorn's yeah. Media Redefined newsletter. He's doing original content, and you wrote something really smart for him. It's about tech and media. That stuff that I'll have to talk about. What was it called? Uh,
0: I think it was called Thirteen. Oh no, it's called Facebook is the Internet and Thirteen Other Things Media People Talk About at
1: Dinner. So this is this is stuff. In your head, you you have your feet firmly planted in both the tech world, the media world, old media, new media. Yep. This is the stuff you're thinking about all day.
0: Yeah, it's just kind of a, a structure to hang some random stuff I've been talking about with friends upon.
1: So I want, I'll get to some of that in a minute. Really, you should, if you're listening to this, you should be reading this. We'll link to it on the on the website. But I briefly want to talk about what sort of your path at IAC. You, you yeah. founded College Humor, yep. uh, very popular, very influential comedy site. Came to IAC. We're working on that. And over the years, you've morphed sort of from the internet to television. Yeah, right. You're of, the guy behind Chopped. If you yeah, watched
0: Chopped, kind of straddling both the the the, the digital and TV worlds, and with the college humor business, we've that actually has come in very handy um, because, you know, as I as I say in the piece, and I, we'll probably talk about it later, it's it's hard to monetize just an internet audience, right? Especially as things go to, to platforms. Just because you have an audience doesn't mean that you're going to make any money. You have to do something on top of that, right? So one way that we've Found one revenue stream that we found that's been very successful for us is taking IP generated digitally and then selling it to places where you can monetize it, like television or like Verizon's Go 90. Or, like, all you know, there are a lot of buyers of premium content now, Our premium short form content is what we specialize in. For TV, we, we expand it into a full length show. So, we have you know, multiple shows on the air now, and, and even more in development. Every one of those things came from something on our YouTube channel, or or a video on our website.
1: But this is sort of alarming, right? Because the 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 popular conventional wisdom is well, TV's struggling, and and the internet's eating TV, and no one watches TV anymore. And and, and big companies like College Humor and, mm-hmm. and, and Connect Adventures at IAC, yep. Vox Media, where I work. Buzzfeed, Vice—these digital natives have figured it out. They've got the eyeballs. They're the way of the future. Oh, there's no doubt. All, all we, of these companies are trying to make television shows. Meanwhile, yes. the TV guys are fumbling around trying to figure out the internet. It seems like somewhere they should meet in the middle, but maybe they're going past each other. Yes, we—that's
0: a great way to put it. Uh, uh, the digital media crowd, my, myself included, we definitely have the eyeballs. That's that's no question. But the monetization is something we don't have. So it's like it's like we have the the eyeballs. Uh, but, but not the monetization, and TV has is losing eyeballs but still has the monetization. So we both want one thing that the other person has or the other the other party has.
1: This seems pretty alarming, right? The TV guys are saying no one's watching us anymore, but we can make money if you did watch us, and you guys are saying we've got all the eyeballs and yeah, we can't make I, any money there. It seems like you're both going to end up with zero and, and I, I you live think it, on a desert island.
0: I, <laughs> I don't think it ends up at zero. I think, you know, overall – uh, people's attention will go to things that aren't monetized as well, right? So the me looking at Instagram for twenty minutes a day is probably taking away from me watching TV. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch Mr. Robot or uh, The Prophet, my favorite show on television. Like I, I still watch a lot of TV, and and I I still look the uh, look at the digital stuff all day. Uh, but I think anything that is. Premium in digital, whether that's uh, video or editorial, I think is th- it. Ev- eventually, people will have to pay something for it, or it can't get made. Like the venture capital money, only lasts so long. And
1: no, no, it goes on forever. It never <laughs> stops. It keeps going. Just, they just keep I mean, maybe it will go on you. forever.
0: But uh, it, it, at some point, uh, it, at some point, there, you have to kind of find a model, and I, I think models are emerging. So I, I, I would point to the chive. Um, you know, I I
1: know they do very very well with this merchandise. Is very broey, yeah, broey, mimi, viral site. Exactly. These guys it, did some pranks that were famous it, for a, a couple months. It's a lot of it's
0: it's 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 not super advertiser friendly. That you know, it's a lot of uh, TNA as they say. But um, but you know th- that doesn't matter because they make money on merchandise and 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 you know another business like like Crunchyroll like that that has a a very
1: large following, but. They charge people to subscribe for the for the freemium. So version. we're going to get into this in a minute. But but did you have this thesis when you sort of w- started making TV, or did you start making TV because it was a fun thing to do and you'd already done internet? I, I probably the latter. Yeah. Um, also,
0: starting to see like you know it it's it, it's hard to make a giant business out of something where there are no barriers to entry. Um, and and you know in and at College Humor and Electis Digital, which is the uh, the kind of little. Uh, parent company within IC has uh, us and uh, a site called Dorkly, which is just blowing up. It's like nerd fandom culture uh, and a hip hop property called Watch Loud. Like, like we have healthy advertising revenue there, and we make great stuff for advertisers. Um, but to really have a, a a you know a giant business, unless unless you have you know uh, unless it's like at the Vice level where you're just but then again, we'll go, go back to this. But like, you know, Vice isn't making their money from banner ads either. Like, you know, you have to have something else to it. And um, and so together we have this dual revenue stream uh, of of advertising and also taking our content and and licensing it elsewhere, whether that be TV
1: or a uh, or an SVOD play or uh, whoever wants to buy it. All right. I, I still have a sneaking suspicion I'm going to end up spending my remaining years working on a reality TV show. Which, <laughs> as long as you know, I can pay my mortgage, I have no complaints about. Uh-huh. So let's start there. I want to go over some of the points. We won't go through all of them, yep. but some of the points you bring up in your piece. I think one of the first ones that caught my eye was you argue: look, pay TV business, cable business is in much better shape than you think. Well, is I, it that it's actually in good shape, or that it's just better off than? than I, I think, think
0: it's better off than people think. I mean, it's the you know maybe it's just the, the media pundit world that we live in, but no people to give it no credit. And it's like, hey, millions of people still watch this for, f- like, the average American consumer watches. Was it four point five hours of TV? Right. Day, and there's maybe. 90
1: million households paying it, for this stuff. But you yeah. look around, you ask your friends or your younger friends in New York or in college, or yeah. definitely on the West Coast, and everyone claims they don't watch. There TV. is
0: no doubt that people watch less television. And like that's, you just look around. It's it's a, it's hard to get people to look up from their phones to the TV. And I realized that when, I think it was maybe like two years ago, Key and Peele. Did a video they that they put on YouTube, letting their YouTube subscribers know and begging them, letting them know they had a TV show and begging them to hey we have a show watch it. That that's crazy. Like if you are a you theoretically if you are a Key and Peele fan enough to subscribe to their YouTube channel, you would want to watch their TV show. So it you, sounds
1: like you're making the argument that TV is not in good shape.
0: Well, no, I'm saying it. Like this is this is what I'm saying. It's it's definitely challenged, right? There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think it's better off than people give it credit for because they have the infrastructure to transition to the, the whatever the next thing is, where digital does not. Like cable already has the billing relationship. They already have people subscribing to content brands, whether they know it or not. It's all it's all in that bundle. And and they also have the bundle, which I think is, you know, despite the, the bad rap it gets is, is a really great way, an easy way, to, to consume content.
1: So when you say pay TV is in better shape than people think, are you talking about Time Warner Cable and the other people who own the pipes? You're talking about the people who own the I'm programming? About that whole ecosystem. The, the TV industrial complex. Yeah.
0: The, the, it seems like the trendy thing to say is, like, cable's dead, TV's dead. Like, but I actually think for where where I see things ending up, they're extremely well-positioned to make that transition. Can they do it? I mean, that's, that's the big question, but... Um, but I'm just. My point was, I think uh, the point I made in the piece was, I think it's better off than people give it credit for.
1: So you, you, one of the other interesting ideas you bring up is the notion that, that some of these TV networks, the lower-rated ones, may may go ad-free, just dump yeah. advertising altogether. That seems like a capitulation.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I actually think it's it's uh, it might just be a smarter business model. I, you know, if you if you if you no longer have to fill an entire 24-hour day. With programming, then you can concentrate on on what matters. Like, let's get a few marquee shows that that draw people in that are that are a good fit for our brand, and they'll subscribe to it on in, in their cable bundle. And if if
1: do you think you make more money this way, or you're going to lose the ad money anyway, so you I may think as your, well go this your route.
0: Your top line might be lower, uh, but I think your bottom line might be the same or better. I mean, y- y- people may insist they might go to their Time Warner cableers and say, "Hey, we need like." I want this channel. Like, it's great. It it has exactly the shows I want and it doesn't have ads. Like, make sure that's in the bundle. And it's not, I'm not going to go and do a separate, $8 $8 a month HBO subscription for that channel, but I will insist that it's in the bundle and that will just those sub fees will be enough to, to make a profitable uh, channel.
1: Right. You can already buy Hulu with ads or without ads, which is causing a lot of consternation yep. in the media business. I'm not really sure about that, but you think it's going that way regardless. It would, yeah. There's going to be some demand for ad free content and some people are going to stop. Yeah. And look,
0: if, you know, if, if most people are DVRing through the ads anyway, like, how How sustainable is this is this ad model?
1: Listen, this is an ad supported podcast. Yes, you can't tell don't, because there are no ads. Do on not it.
0: press the fifteen second skip button.
1: Yeah, we got to get delete that on Apple. Uh, <laughs> and then one of the other interesting ideas you bring up is the notion that that it, and this is again, this is a this is a truism on the internet in particular, which is if you get a big enough audience, you can monetize it somehow and you say, no, that's not the case. A big audience doesn't mean you have a business.
0: Well, here's the thing. I think if you have a big audience on your own owned and operated website, you can fill it with programmatic advertising and that's that's robot advertising for the exactly you just put up a 300 by 250 box and you say right whoever wants to bid on it can bid on it and and that's you will if you if your costs are very very low you can make a little money but as content moves onto platforms like YouTube like Facebook you don't you can't put your programmatic ads on that right and right now if you're publishing directly to Facebook via instant articles you know, unless you are going out and actively selling ads, uh, you know, you're, you're not commanding these these premium dollars that you could on on your own property. So my point is that you, just because you have a lot of people's attention, like you know, we get lots of video views on our on our. Facebook videos, like, that doesn't mean we're going to make a cent. We have to then do something with that. We either have to uh, sell branded content to advertisers and, and use that
1: audience. You have to get your audience to
0: do something. You can't just have the audience.
1: That's... You can't just stick a billboard on the thing that is popular and and expect to make real money. There.
0: Yeah, you know, but unless you're like a, uh, a one-person uh, shop and you just have a successful blog and you stick a banner up there and you, you can – Eke out an income, but I don't think any real business, any solid businesses, are going to be built on uh, just having an audience.
1: So the the title of the essay is "Is uh, Facebook Is the Internet yep. Dinner Party Conversation." So there's three things you say that seem connected to me. One is you say Facebook is the internet. Yeah. The second thing you say is the internet kind of sucks right now. Uh huh. And then you say since Mark Zuckerberg runs Facebook, he's the most powerful person in the world. Yeah, that, that's kind of like a bonus fun one. A bonus fun one, but yeah. it kind of seems like you're saying. Uh, Facebook is responsible for making the internet bad, and that's, no, and no, that's no. also Mark Zuckerberg's fault. No,
0: no, no. Um, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. Um, I, I'll, I'll get to the, each point. So the Facebook is the internet. Basically, I'm saying Facebook is where the average person around the world goes to consume content and to connect with friends and to see what's going on in the world. And and it's become the stutter step. Like people open their web browsers or people s- turn on their phones and they either type in FA and then it autofills and they go to Facebook or they click the Facebook app. Uh, or they about, go. To, what
1: about every store I read saying, no, no, the kids don't use Facebook anymore. They go to Instagram or Snapchat uh, or it's just for old people or they I tell mean, their parents they're on Facebook so they don't actually look at this yeah, Snapchat account. <laughs> I, I, I don't buy it. And the data that I've
0: seen doesn't support that. Um, and I, I think eventually, you know, if – Sure like if you're eight years old, like you're probably not going to go on Facebook. And you're gonna play games or be on Snapchat or whatever it is. Uh, but I think eventually for the for the mature world, Facebook is the internet and and i I make the point in in that piece, like what used to be the web, you know, surfing the web is now just surfing Facebook. People don't type in URLs anymore and and press enter um they're they're you know we we are now in the referral age, you know. You go to a uh, you go on Facebook and you get referred out of it to a to a different site. Well, we're entering, and this is a, a point that now this news both made uh, publicly and capitalizes on. In, we're in the platform age. You will you will live on on Facebook and consume content there.
1: And that's you think that's intentional on Facebook's part. That's what they want well, you I, I to think do, you, or do you think that's a happy accident for them?
0: I mean, Facebook's goal, like any other business, is to get you to use the product as much as possible. And there's no doubt that loading a Facebook instant article is faster than going off of Facebook into Safari within Facebook or Safari out of Facebook. Um, so I, so I think that's their intention and you will, will it hurt publishers? I, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if that can be reconciled and with, with advertising or whatever. But, um, for most publishers, the model they have now, yes, that's not going to jive well with it.
1: When, when, when this idea first came up of Facebook hosting articles probably just about a year ago, yep. uh, Dave Carr wrote a New York Times story. Lots of teeth gnashing. Oh, this oh, yeah. is the line we can't cross. The fa- publishers won't do it because they're too afraid of giving Facebook all this power. Fast forward, it seems like they've all sort of shrugged their shoulders and are doing it. And Not only that, but that model is now sort of standard, right? There's a mm-hmm. version of that for Snapchat. Apple has a version of it. Twitter and Google have their own version, and if you work at a decent-sized publisher, you sort of concede that well, we're just to put our stuff to different places that we don't own. Yeah, it seems like this is a done deal.
0: <sighs> see, sure, seems like it's going that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there is—I mean, there is incentive for for Facebook to make sure that publishers can monetize, uh, or else there's no more publishers. So, from from what I hear, that's being figured out. Uh, you know, Facebook rolled out uh, video ads. Um, and to go along with video, and for premium publishers, they're going to see a cut of that. So, you know, they think, would like
1: them to still be around. On the other hand, do you think they value something from the New York Times or Recode or College Humor any more or less than a picture of my kid or a picture of someone's cat?
0: I think that they're probably like what they value is engagement, and I think if if that, you know, I'm not speaking for Facebook, but it, it seems like it seems like if if a if a story about uh, your kid gets gets me to look at Facebook as much as a story from the New York Times, then they're probably like, okay, we have a happy customer.
1: Yeah. So then you say the internet also sucks, but you're, you're well, saying guess, this is not Facebook's fault. You know, the, this is something else's the, fault.
0: The reason I, I said the internet sucks was, it was, it was a few things. Um, and obviously, it's that's meant to kind of be incendiary and and, and provoking. Yeah. Um, I'm still on the internet all day, every day, even though I... I, I Making it, it suck, every yeah, day. Yeah, even though I make it suck. Uh, the, there, are, there are a few things in that. One was kind of the... Um, just the... Uh, the 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 plethora of uh of like just everybody's reblogging everybody else and and you know publishers are using tools where they can see what's trending and you know and i would say like sites like uh you know recode and the information like they don't do this but like there's so many uh there's so many just like content farms out there they just like see what's trending rewrite it but make the headline a little more salacious to get more clicks and a little further away from what the actual story is and then it just gets regurgitated um and and it seems like this pattern of like uh the same things every day like who are we gonna put in the outrage cycle today like uh, is it Matt Damon's time? Like, great, let's get him, and he'll trend for a day and a half, and then it'll go away. Because he then... said
1: something naughty on Project Greenlight. Yeah, it's. Yeah. So... Yeah, do you think it sucks for you because you're a professional internet content maker and you spend all your time on it, and that most it's people just... who are clicking on these stories are quite happy to read about Matt Damon sucking? They're
0: probably they're they're probably happy. Um. Uh, but it's it's just it's getting kind of tiring to to be like. All right. Another point I make in the the piece is like, all right, it's Columbus Day. Time for the uh, backlash, and then the backlash to the backlash, and like, it, it. I just feel like it. There's not. There's been nothing like new in the last couple of years to get excited about.
1: I think this is going to air or whatever the the right verb for for podcast distribute uh-huh.
0: is uh drop.
1: let's say drop. drop. It's going to drop <laughs> uh, a few weeks into maybe maybe early December. So it'll be a few weeks after after the attacks in Paris. Yep. But we're talking a couple of days after the attacks in Paris. How do you think the internet did there? Sort of how much how much time did you spend consuming information from internet versus traditional media?
0: You know, I I think it's it the, everybody on online needs a take, right? And and it's like if you don't have a take, what are you like? Why are you tweeting, right? You're you're not gonna tweet just to say hello. And so I feel like people feel like they need a take, and like and you see like every brand tweeting out their condolences, like every like whether it's like Arby's or I don't know, if Arby's did that. Maybe they did, but it 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 just it kind of just. Um, what about
1: people who aren't professional content makers? My wife and I were talking about this. She mm-hmm. was like, I don't really know that I – I don't want to throw my wife under the bus, uh-huh. I guess I just <laughs> did. Maybe she won't hear it. Uh, she said, I don't really want to know that all my friends support Paris. I do too, but I don't think that saying it out loud makes – changes anything. And I used to be the cynical one of this. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, I, I know, but on the other hand, like, people want to emote, right? And, yep. like, it seems like a not bad thing for them to go to Facebook and – Say something, right? In but the you past get numb to it them. when you're just you
0: scrolling through your Instagram feed, and it's just like, like people's photos of when they were in Paris five years ago, and like, this is my, like, this is love this city, and you're just, yeah, it, it it's <laughs> can get exhausting.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of see it both ways. I mean, it's exhausting if, again, if you spend all your time there, and maybe you should walk away from Facebook periodically. But on the other hand, that that impulse to sort of say, yeah, here's my kid, and also I love Paris, don't seem like a bad thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the question is like. Is it, it? What do you value more? Like, is it the the, the cathartic feeling for people to do that, or, it, or is it? Do we think it's self serving? Right? Like, like which one of those forces is is, is kind of pulling more? So um, you
1: have the sort of ennui about the internet. Do you think that that this turns into something that enough people feel the way you do, and eventually, sort of, it changes our behavior? Um,
0: I, I, I don't have the answer to that, but I mean, I can. You know, you look at Twitter there. I think there are a lot of people who aren't going who, you know, signed on to Twitter and maybe just the reason they they haven't gone back in a while is is because of this thing. It just got exhausting to to see everybody constantly identity creating.
1: Yeah. Uh, then speaking of identity, do you, you say Mark Zuckerberg is the most powerful person in the world? This seems like actually a fairly straightforward argument, right? Yeah, yeah. Facebook's maybe the biggest media company in the world, yep. or maybe the most powerful media company, probably neck and neck with 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 Google and Apple. You can throw them in there. Mark runs it. It's effective. I mean, it's a public company. He controls his. it. That's the. Yeah. That's your point. Right. Yeah. Uh, you say he's more powerful than Rupert Murdoch, more powerful than a political leader.
0: The, the point was, and I have to uh, give this to Jonathan Glick, who made the, this this point, like he said, if Rupert Murdoch was <laughs> was trying to alt trying to influence an election, we would know it. We'd be like, OK, well, the New York Post it's like, but uh, but with Mark, you were with, you know, he's so powerful that he can do it and you wouldn't even know. And like. Of course, he's not going to do do that. He, seem, you know, he's seems like a great person. But, but in terms of like, if he was a bad person, like, yeah, that's an unprecedented level of of world power. That that was my and that, we that think, was my argument. We, we're
1: hoping he's a force for good.
0: I think we can be pretty sure he is.
1: <laughs> uh. Who do who do you, so? Facebook's a big, obvious company we all pay attention to. Anyone in the media business, even people outside of the media business, know how big a deal Facebook is. Yep. Who's a sort of under the radar or up and coming company we should be paying attention to, or um, not?
0: Well, I mentioned in the, in the piece, Crunchyroll, and Crunchyroll um, is owned by um, Peter Chernin, uh, the, the, the Chernin Group, former
1: they, News Corp, for, former it. Rupert Murdoch number two guy. Yep. Uh, now on his own.
0: And uh, and I you know I think. He, he probably has a long a long uh, kind of um, vision on this stuff and, and saw where things were going, and I think maybe bought it like a year or two ago. Why
1: don't we describe what Crunchyroll oh, is? Oh, so
0: Crunchyroll is its anime content,
1: right? So it's Japanese anime.
0: Japanese anime. Niche and there's, content there's a, in this part of the world. Yep. There is a large audience worldwide and in the U.S. for this anime content. And it's the kind of thing like League of Legends where like people in the media intelligentsia don't know it, but it's gigantic. So... Their model is uh, you can see old episodes for free, or you can pay four ninety nine a month or whatever it is, and uh, and get access to day and date episodes as they air in Japan. Seven hundred thousand people have signed up for this. It's grown, I think, threefold in the past year or something. It, it it's just really remarkable, and and that's I look at that business and I'm like, that is if you you know if we talk about cable being in a good place like. That's starting to look like cable. You have people who subscribe to content brands. They trust what the content brand is going to put out. And they give them their credit card, and they say, take care of the rest. Now, I think what Chernin uh, should do, and he's, they, they are a very sharp group, and Chernin himself is very, very smart, um, you know, then you can build off of that. Um, but a point I make uh, in the article is that if, if, they, if Chernin said, I want to start the next Hulu, it's impossible. Like it's it's to cover to cover that much ground. Uh, to to, to be a general a general entertainment company it would cost you billions of dollars
1: to, get, to go acquire all that content to
0: go acquire all the content and then market which, it which by the way I
1: think was his plan when he started this thing a couple of years ago he wanted to go buy Hulu and was trying to bid on it and couldn't buy it
0: well I think this is a much smarter path because I think you can get there by tapping niche audiences like there are like passionate people will pay for things and NBC
1: is doing a version of this yep. NBCU is doing a, a comedy called, C- called CISO right yep. and I think the idea is they'll probably do other verticals if it works in theory but it's m- sort of micro subscriptions you think that's a powerful idea yeah
0: i i think but as long as it's targeted at a passionate audience like it's you know if you take like cbs is a gigantic company with great content and all this stuff the cbs app it's probably not as popular as crunchyroll you know because if you're a cbs viewer you're like you're just you're probably like it as as price from uh from amazon put it like he'd rather have three people love his content then 10 people like it and I think that that's the the crunchy roll approach and you see it being rolled out in other companies like drama fever which is like draw like soap operas from overseas like there's an audience for that in the US
1: and, and and you think you can make stuff at a price or buy stuff at a price and sell it at a price where there's actually an actual business there yeah I mean it's
0: all about you know the Holy grail in media is is recurring subscription revenue right, right? so you can you you can make programming uh, you know at, and for your audience ahead of your audience uh, to do a... Otherwise, you're just doing a Kickstarter every time you want to have a new show, essentially. So you
1: co-founded College Humor while you were in college yep. at Wake Forest um, and then built that into a thing. Um, if you were at college today and mm-hmm. we're starting an internet media company or a media company, what, what do you think that would look like?
0: Let's see. I would... I think right now, if you wanted to get into media... You have to think. I'm. I need to figure out how to sell. How to use influence to sell something, right? I would start, and I would publish directly on on platforms. I wouldn't. I'm probably wouldn't even have a website.
1: So you just Ricky on Instagram.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, you could always have a website and for SEO, or people want to find an archive of your stuff. Um. But it shouldn't be the primary distribution mechanism. And and I'd cover something very specific and build out from there. So. I, let's see, if I was at Wake Forest today, I would I would say I'm gonna start with ACC football and because I know there's an audience for that and they're probably not that well served. And so I'm gonna just write about ACC fo- football, build that up, see if people will you know either buy merchandise or subscribe to what I have to say, then grow from that and then say so we're gonna cover another conference. And sooner or later you, you've you have a a sports subscription media company. And obviously all those steps are, much easier said than done, but do you think you would have that insight at 20 or 21? Probably not. No. Cause, cause you, it's just time travel rookie. Yeah. Time yeah. travel. Uh, it, if I was, yeah, <laughs> I'd probably be like, all we need is to get people to look. And, you, and that was true 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it, I remember when we started college humor, you know, Josh, my, my co-founder, his, his brother worked at a company called advertising.com. This is 2000. And, uh, and he basically said, "It's a newspaper. If you get people to to go, you can sell ads." And when you're getting like thirty dollars CPMS or whatever you were getting in two thousand, like, yeah, it's it's how it works. Um, but um, but yeah, definitely had the benefit of hindsight on that one. So uh,
1: we'll wrap it up in a second. When you when you brought you came to New York, you sold the company or part of the company to Barry Diller, yep. and you guys were a big deal for a while. You were New York famous. You were profiled in the New Yorker. Uh, Gawker wrote stories about you guys. Um, now you're married to someone who who is more famous than that. Do you do you have perspective <laughs> sort of on on what what Allison's life is like compared to your time in the spotlight?
0: Yeah, I mean, the difference is, you know, I could go out and not have people ask for selfies with me everywhere I went. Um, you know, and, and it is funny to think about that that New Yorker piece uh, because I. To think now, the idea of a, of a writer going into David Remnick's office and saying, "I've got a story for you," guys, four guys in their twenties started an internet company in Tribeca. He'd be like, "This is this a joke pitch?" Like, but back then, Re- Rebecca Mead wrote this this story, and it was it was novel. Uh, you know, I think you know there are m- so many people doing right now what we did back then. It was just it was just timing. We we happened to be ahead of it. Um, and, and I do like being, uh, kind of undercover well-known better than Allison's life, which is, you know, obviously being more in the spotlight. Do you, do you, are you able to sort of opt out of her spotlight? I hold a lot of purses at the, at the end of, uh, carpets and, uh, and I take a lot of photos with, uh, iPhone fives and sixes. Uh, but, um. Yeah. I, for, for her. For, you know, a girl will come up and say, or a guy will come up and say, can I have a photo? And, I'll, and I'm always the one that says, I'll take it just to make it go faster, right? Instead of like, yeah. So, um, so but other than that, I, I, can, I can opt out.
1: All right. Well, maybe you can go take my picture in a yes. second. Thanks for coming, Ricky. <laughs> thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, big thanks to Ricky Van Veen for joining me on my first weekly episode. And also thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I did conducting it, you should subscribe. Catch up on previous episodes, be the first to listen to new ones, all on recode.net slash decode. If you want to see something like this in person, we can accommodate that as well. You won't want to miss Code Media 2016. We're an amazing lineup of tech and media leaders. will join Kara Swisher, Walt Mossberg, and myself on stage. Join us February 17th and 18th, 2016 in Laguna Niguel. That's in Orange County, California. It's right on the Pacific Ocean. It's really nice. As we explore the intersecting worlds of media and technology, you can view the full speaker lineup and register for the event at recode.net slash events. Recode Decode is now twice a week. Kara Swisher. will be back on Monday with an interview with former Twitter CEO Dick Costolo. It's going to be excellent. And I'll be here next Thursday to talk to Brian Rolap, the NFL's TV and internet guru, one of the most powerful people in media that you don't know. See you soon. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more
0: hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes. Featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.